0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants.
1: So, this is human freedom. I've decided to keep you in the brig until I'm
2: certain you won't try to harm us again. We will betray you. We are Borg. I've met Borg who were freed from the collective. It wasn't easy for them to accept their individuality, but in time they did. You're no different. Granted, you were assimilated at a very young age, and your transition may be more difficult, but it will happen.
3: If at that time we choose to return to the collective, will you permit it?
2: Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March the 7th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting
4: around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade
2: into color, color into black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be alright. Well, little did I realize that as we were broadcasting last week's show, all about the voices on the right who need to be supported by their listeners in every way possible, that such a major event in this regard had occurred, affecting some of those other voices. And nor would I ever have guessed, Robert, that we ourselves would receive... A YouTube copyright notice, you got your Twitter account locked over one of the most innocuous comments I could ever imagine. Just unbelievable. But we'll get into all that right after we remind our listeners that they can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archive broadcasts, and of course, where we encourage you to visit to offer your financial support visit www.justrightmedia.org or go directly to paypal.me slash justrightmedia to offer your financial support, which is so much needed by the voices of the right, especially in this critical time. And be sure to share any of our archive shows with as many of your friends and acquaintances as possible, people you think might be interested in the topics we discuss in the way that few others do. Which again brings me ...to a subject that we introduced last week and I called the War of Words. What a fitting title it turned out to be, didn't it, Robert? It certainly did, Bob. Bring us up to date on what has happened recently.
4: Well, Bob, as you mentioned, this past week I was <laughs> given a, a roadside suspension, if you will, for a 12-hour <laughs> period from Twitter. I know. I know that's uh, catastrophic, isn't it? A suspension from Twitter... I had to say that I was amused by their reason for the suspension. Now the Toronto Star posted a picture of Justin Trudeau and the clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Warnock, and asked people to caption the photo. Well, this came fresh on the heels of accusations that both men acted inappropriately in pressuring the Attorney General in a legal case against SNC-Lavalin. I responded with, Psst, Justin, learn to code. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I know, terrible. Now that particular phrase, learn to code, means of course that you'd better upgrade your skills because it looks like you're in for a career change. That's all it means. Unfortunately, the insane leftists at Twitter had, and I did know this in advance, picked that phrase to be what they called abusive behavior, as if one could not be abusive enough to a prime minister like Justin Trudeau. Now, this targeting was in response to a big wave of layoffs of faux journalists at Marxist fake news sites like Gannett, BuzzFeed, and HuffPost. People responded to the layoffs with the remark, Learn to code. Sure, it was meant to be mean and get a real job, Yakamis, but the thin skin. Oh, I-
2: I- I- I can tell you a lot of people do not know what that means. You have to know the code to know what learn the code means. You have to be in that community already. And when when I when you first sent that to me and sent me a copy, I thought you were joking. I, I, I said, okay, so where is the offensive thing? I was actually looking for it. I didn't realize that, that literally your phrase learn to code was the offensive term being used. It's that odd, isn't it? It's that bizarre.
4: It really is. Yeah. You know, they started suspending and banning people from using the phrase citing their terms of service on abusive mm-hmm. behavior. That's the clause below the one saying that they should not post child pornography and above the one which prohibits calling someone a sissy pants. You know, that's right. how broad their terms of service are. They can mean anything they want. Now, I knew the risks when I posted the comment. I had heard about the bannings before, but I did it anyway. Hey, it's only Twitter. Uh, And it should be noted that while I was suspended from Twitter and my tweet removed, I removed it myself before I could use it again, there were several other remarks on the Toronto Star posting that called Trudeau and Warnock criminals, rapists, misogynists, and liars. I took a screen grab of it all. Unbelievable. Those comments were kept. Those libelous remarks are apparently acceptable, to the hate-mongers at Twitter, but a cute suggestion that Trudeau is not going to win his re-election and that he upgrade his computer skills is tantamount to hate speech, whatever that is. And it's only a symptom of a greater issue. Now here at Just Right, and you know this, we've been kicked off of a radio station for advocating stricter migration controls in Canada and endorsing at that time the Conservative Party of Canada, and prior to Just Right, Jim Chapman on Left, Right and Centre, um, episodes of which, by the way, can be found on our homepage. He was suspended by another radio station for his conservative remarks. Our guest Andrew Lawton was suspended for investigating into areas in the city of London that he should not have investigated. So suspension seems the standard response to people seeking the truth and expressing valid opinions from organizations that, well,
2: can't handle the truth you know it's funny because all the people you've mentioned you know the reasons that their employers or whoever gave in getting rid of them were of course had nothing to do with their opinions but it's the same pattern of suspicion well how come it's always the voice of the right that gets canned the person who's speaking more to the right side of the polarity you know the the lefts all tend to survive look
4: over in uh, in britain just recently tommy robinson Just banned from Facebook and Instagram, having, you know, uh, he was previously banned from Twitter. For what? They say he actually advocated violence against Muslims. Bull crap. Nothing, of course, could be further from the truth. And I do hope that Tommy responds to such obvious libelous accusations in the appropriate venue. You know, there's a, a massive list of people, you know, conservative, libertarian, or at the very least rational and reasonable people who've been kicked off of social media for their opinions and call the most foulest of names at the same time by these platforms su- suggesting, of course, that when they say terms of service have been violated, you read their terms of service and there's really heinous stuff in there, criminal stuff. So people start to think, Oh, maybe the guy is just as bad as a child molester or something, or a racist, you know? And of course it's nothing but simply like, Oh, learn to code <laughs> right. or, or vote, vote for Trump. In, you know, in Europe, Some have actually been arrested and some even imprisoned for their viewpoints. And that includes England and Sweden. This is no longer a trivial matter. As you were saying, this is serious. This is war. And as drastic as it may sound, this is war. A war not just for opinions and ideas, but an actual war. Which, if the right side fails, and failure is always an option, you'll get into that later. In fact, it is the default option. People will not only be imprisoned, but killed for their viewpoints. How can I come to such a dramatic uh, conclusion? Because it's been done before. History is replete with examples of countries being taken over from within by leftist ideologies and then lining up those who oppose them and shooting them. Don't believe me? Pick up a damn history book. So what do we do when our government, the media, the social media, schools, universities are controlled by and overflowing with People who advocate the violent, destructive philosophy of Marxism, fascism, or the euphemistically called democratic socialism, uh, de rigueur. What do we do when clearly a large portion of the population is taking freedom for granted and a large portion of society are collectivists? We fight back.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's a war. I mean, come
0: on. It's a real war. It's a real cultural it's war. It's a cultural war. And I actually think this is something that conservatives aren't understanding. No, they're not. And I've been super against. I mean, I've not only fielded attacks, uh, attacks from the left, I've fielded Good. attacks from the right. Right. which is just, to me, mind-boggling because they have this idea. I call it puritanical conservatism. Okay. Oh, that's a good thing. A puritanical yeah, good. conservatism, mm-hmm. where it's like, this is the way we do conservatism. We don't fight mm-hmm. back. Like we, This is the proper way. No, the left is not fighting proper. Okay, they, are, right. they This is like trench warfare. That's right. And, and um, if we don't understand that and understand that the battle is cultural, the battle is about getting a show like you had and sparking a conversation that's national and defending and calling it what it is, when what happens to you happens. And and people don't have the courage.
1: But uh, So how
0: do we how do we push back against the mob? That that seems to be the big thing now. It's like I actually think there's some momentum there. I I think we're waking up a certain amount of time. We are
1: waking up, but here's the problem. Dave. What we're watching now is a plan that the left put together 50 years ago, infiltrating schools and all the institutions taking over, you know, Hollywood, and it's all coming to fr- That's why they're winning. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will be able to, you know what I mean? It'll take 40 years to, to we have to grab back the institutions. That, you know, like right. detainment and... and, and uh, So what
0: does that mean? I mean,
1: well, I guess um, we're doing we'll it, right? It, we'll, we'll be, we'll be gone. We'll be gone. Unless it comes to violence. Um, I, I, But, yeah, it, it's going to take forever. All we have, we don't... all we have is Fox News, you know. Uh, Fox couple. are the only ones that put me on.
0: They're, they're the only ones. I can t- give my liberal credit left and right. I can't get a call from the other ones. I have an interesting
1: like. history. But, well, you can't. You're a yeah. gay conservative. yeah. And they I don't even call myself you.
0: conservative. I'm I'm actually a liberal, but there's no I'm a real liberal. There's no right, liberal, right. There's none of us left anymore. You know?
1: I don't feel I need to be balanced because when I sit home and I watch how white men are portrayed in commercials and on TV and in movies, I feel no need to balance it out. After the show, people go, "Why did you make fun of uh, white people?" I go, "Go home and watch TV." Yeah.
0: Well, it does seem like it's coordinated what's going on. This endless thing it's of, an aj- of straight white men, and that you're that politicians are doing it constantly. That it's a about white men. It's like, you are racist. You people who call everyone racist, you are racist. Congrats. Oh yeah, you can generalize
1: now about white guys. I mean, I've been hearing that phrase forever. Typical, typical frat boy. You know, that's code for for white. Yeah, yeah, you said it's coordinated. It it really is, isn't it? I mean, this is where it's I say conspiracy. Colin Quinn, he goes, it's not a conspiracy. It's so big that it's not a conspiracy. That's his theory. It's not that, his it, that
0: it infiltrated media Everything. and academia. They don't even that have to coordinate. E- yeah,
1: and I'm like, no, I still think there's ten guys in a room. So that's uh, it depends how far you want to go down. Like the, 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 <laughs> the Bilderberg Group. Yeah, And yeah, four yeah. of them are gay. <laughs> yeah, naturally, naturally. Two of them are black, and uh, yeah. I don't know what the other four are. Yeah. But, but it does feel like an agenda because they follow a certain. Every commercial has that certain, you know. Yeah, the, progress, the, 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 those the, the progressive, those progressive commercials Which Gillette, George, Gillette. you must have loved that one. Oh my, I, I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, it infuriated me. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank God for stand-up and, and the uh, internet podcast. Yeah. You, know? you
0: think it's, we're going to be better off in a couple of years or not? You think? I mean, that that's where I, we're at, right? Like
1: <clears throat> better. When you say better off as a of as a nation, are stand- you and I as a
0: Well, I mean, just generally, like, just this. Look, if we let's pretend the Civil War doesn't come in five years, where where do you think we're at? Uh,
1: We're on the brink of Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) You really, you're you're going bullish on the Civil War. I don't know where where else we can go. There's one side that doesn't want to play. There's one side that has no, you know, you can't keep calling people bigots, people who go out and work and bust their ass. Blue collar people, people that make this country great, sounds yeah. corny, but they do. Yeah. And you're going to keep p- pointing your finger and call them racists and bigots, and 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 take more of their confiscate their money. That's what they do. That's what gets me the most. That sanctimony. Yeah. On the left of, what are the, How are they going to hurt me? I mean, are they going to kick me off my own podcast? Or it's not like I'm on an ABC sitcom or. Right.
2: On the previous side of the bumper, that was from a Prager U, um posting on. March the 3rd, featuring Candace Owens and Roseanne Barr, of all people, talking about a cultural war. While on this side of the bumper, we heard from the Rubin Report of February 25th, featuring... Comedian Nick DiPaolo on offensive comedy. And some very interesting comments made there. All of them realize that this is a war. It's a cultural war. It's a, you know, there has to be a pushback against the mob. And of course, Dave Rubin is asking, what are we going to do? And I thought it was fascinating what he talked about how all this began 50 years ago. And I was reminded immediately of Ayn Rand's book, The New Left. The Anti-Industrial Revolution, guess what, written about that time. All this stuff was scripted decades ago. It's this idea that everybody talks about, well, this seems so coordinated and it seems like a conspiracy, I think that's a complete misunderstanding. It is partially coordinated by small groups, but what drives it all is philosophy, and Personally, I think it all depends on whether people are operating on the primacy of consciousness or the primacy of existence. And that's, that's the axiom of philosophy right there. And then from that on down, everything else falls into place. I think that's the real war that we're seeing here. Yeah, you, Bob, it is. It, the real war
4: is always philosophic, but a philosophic war does end up finally being in the trenches. And sometimes people take up arms to, no to question, defend, no defend question. or fight I'll, I'll, up philosophy. And like any other war, people typically think that it's um, a war from outsiders, a a foreign war, right, or foreign invaders. But the enemies of freedom don't just come from outside. In fact, history shows that it more often than not comes from within. The decay of Rome, the Bolshevik Revolution in uh, 1917, the Chinese Communist Revolution of 1911, the takeover of Cuba by, guess what, Cubans, communist Cubans. Mm. Benito Mussolini was elected to the Italian parliament in 1921. German dictator Adolf Hitler was elected by the people of Germany. Venezuelan dictator Hugo Chavez was elected by the people of Venezuela. The murderous dictator Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe was elected by Zimbabweans. Many dictators come to power from internal coups rather than from foreign conquest. That's just a few of the cautionary examples from history, but remember, that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And it can and will happen here. If America and the West are to fear takeover, they should fear not Russia, Iran, or North Korea. They should fear themselves. They should fear democratic socialists and members of Congress, Marxist university professors, terrorist organizations like Antifa, communist media outlets like CNN and MSNBC. The enemy is within our gates and we are at war. So what do we do about it? If this was a war against a foreign invader, the answer would be obvious. You use whatever force and means are at your disposal to completely destroy them. There's no reason why the same tactic or zeal should not be used against domestic enemies, except for an incomplete understanding of individual rights. Free speech, private property rights, right of contract, it's these concepts which get in the way, ironically, of protecting those very same concepts. And that respect for these rights and freedoms will be the downfall of the West. It may sound contradictory, hypocritical, or even self-defeating to use strong-arm tactics to protect freedom, but it's turning out to be an absolute necessity. And it's not a moral dilemma to curtail certain rights of people who would hide behind the very same rights to deprive you of your life, your freedom, and your property. In fact. We do it all the time. And it's not just during war, where every weapon is on the table. When there's an existential threat to survival, we do it to criminals, taking away their freedom for our protection. And, and our enemies and certainly that, that, do it to uh, barring us uh, from speaking on campuses, stacking candidates' debates and ballot boxes, using lawfare to wear us down, rigging elections, gerrymanding gerrymandering political boundaries, political interference in judicial matters, and even, as is being made clear in recent days, staging a coup d'etat by lying, spreading false news, falsifying documents, and libeling and slandering. They, They don't stop at anything. They play dirty. Ayn Rand said, There is no such thing as the right of some men to vote away the rights of others, and no such thing as the right of the government to seize the property of some men for the unearned benefits of others. Now, In this same way, the right of free speech of those who are advocating sedition, treason, the adoption of laws which would violate an individual's life and freedom and property, are not infringed if the victims or potential victims, you and I, are acting in self-defense. The same for the rights to run their businesses as they see fit or the right to spend their money on the causes they choose when such activities are designed to supplant a freedom government with a dictatorship. Those who advocate violence are just as guilty as those who carry it out. Those who consciously support the overthrow of freedom don't deserve it. Those who fund people who would destroy our institutions, our borders, sovereignty and objective laws should be prevented from doing so by any means necessary. This is war. Should a social media company like Twitter be permitted to fraudulently claim, as they do on their site, quote, everyone should have the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers, unquote, and then turn around and suspend or ban people from sharing their ideas on their platform? Their veiled attempt to appear to be a platform of ideas is a falsehood, a misrepresentation of the truth and shouldn't be allowed. It turns out that the main reason people are banned from their platform is, of course, because they're defending freedom. Those who remain are either indifferent or outright enemies of freedom. The result is that anyone going to Twitter, some unsuspecting person who's never been there before, and this also applies to Facebook and others, Instagram, is that one is left to conclude that people in general are leftists in their thinking and that the prevailing philosophy of the country is leftist because that's all the people who are left in these discussion groups. It fraudulently skews the platform of supposedly free and open discourse into a Marxist only club. Witness that uh, racists, hateful and extreme leftists are permitted to spew their hatred on these platforms while those advocating reason and individual rights are shadow banned, suspended, de-boosted, or out-and-out banned. Some being doxed and hounded and threatened at home and at work, and losing their jobs over their comments on these platforms. These social media companies rely on our respect for individuals to run their businesses as they see fit, to deny these same people access to their platforms. You've heard the argument, oh, it's a private business, they can do what they want. Nope, sorry, they can't. This overt discriminatory behavior is not acceptable if the business in question is purposefully trying to destroy freedom. This is not like that bakery forced to bake a cake for a gay couple. Unlike those who um, run the social media giants, the owners of the bakery did not openly advocate violence or hatred. They simply chose to limit their clientele to exclude gays without political comment. They not chose so. to
2: exercise their freedom of association.
4: Exactly, but that's <laughs> so for the social media companies. They're acting differently. They are openly and covertly advocating for the overthrow of our freedom-loving countries, the destruction of our institutions, the death of people. And I'll qualify that by saying that they're allowing organizations like Hamas and Islamists to continue to operate on their sites. And they're advocating for the destruction of our country by advocating for a borderless world and a global governance of communists. This is unacceptable. And individual rights are not there to allow such advocacy to exist. The consequences should be obvious. Those advocating for the overthrow of a free society should not be permitted a platform to do so. Those allowing people to advocate communism in a free society are advocating for your death. They should not be allowed to do so. Freedom of speech doesn't mean the freedom to call for the death of people, whether directly or indirectly. The left use this on the right all the time, calling it hate speech. Well, they're the real hate mongers, and that's the real hate speech, except that speech has been demonstrably proven historically to be the death knell to millions. All of these social media companies benefit from the very laws and institutions they are openly trying to destroy. There's no moral dilemma in preventing them from getting away with it. It's self-defense to suggest that people advocating violence, either by prohibiting dissenting voices, funding it or giving it a platform, should be held accountable for their actions. There's no problem there. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater when there's no fire. Just so. Why? Because your misrepresentation of reality, the fact that there is no fire, is intentionally perpetrated in order to cause injury you know that people will panic and suffer. In this same way, media outlets like CNN and social media outlets like Facebook must face the same meeting out of justice that the person shouting fire is dealt with. If the people in the West did not live in a system which allowed for mob rule, that is a, a system of voting, which allows people to get elected, even without a majority, and then dictate to us what our rights are or not, then my argument would be unnecessary. But that's precisely the world we live in. That's, that's the cards we're dealt with. We live in those kinds of worlds. The Republic of the United States now, of course, has shown itself to be a far superior system of government with its systems of checks and balances. But even they elected a communist in the name of one Barack Hussein Obama. So there's no guarantee. In Canada, our prime minister, the man making an imbecile of himself on the foreign stage and a morally corrupt individual at home, was elected by, guess what? of eligible voters. Even his father, the (laughs) much-loved, yeah, right, Pierre Trudeau, was never elected by more than 34% of the eligible electorate. This system requires a check on people who, although in a minority like the Trudeaus, would seize the reins of power by fair means or foul and enslave us under the guise of it being democratic. It's what the people chose. Sorry, it's not.
2: You know what they're doing? They're doing that old classic, one person, one vote, one time. <laughs> you yeah. know, using democracy to end it. That is unacceptable. You can't do that. You're That's getting right to my point. That's term. exactly right. right. We, ha- we are the
4: architects of our own demise if we don't institute some other mechanism in our society to stop this from happening. You know, we've only been at this business uh, of freedom for about, what, three lifetimes. It's only been 245 years ago, give or take, that the First Nation instituted a government whose sole reason for being was to protect individual rights of its citizens. that never existed before that. Since then, the example of the United States has been followed, sometimes successfully, sometimes not, in other nations, mostly Western nations. But even the U.S. Constitution has been amended and interpreted and reinterpreted, sometimes properly, sometimes not. That's the nature of fallible men working in committees. So it's not too out of the realm of possibilities that we simply got it wrong to allow people to openly advocate for socialist, communist, fascist, theist rule without consequence, which is the case today. Oh, it's free speech. Free speech was meant to protect people from an autocratic state, not to permit autocrats to finagle their way into power, to loot and kill. It was meant to protect the individual who might disagree with a dictator, a monarch, or a potentate, not for some hateful, violent zealot to use the power of the ballot or the power of the media or to hide behind free speech to sucker a nation into committing suicide. U.S. President Truman in 1939 issued Executive Order 9835, which stated in part, quote, Whereas maximum protection must be afforded the United States against infiltration of disloyal persons in the ranks of its employees, and equal protection from unfounded accusations of disloyalty must be afforded the loyal employees of the government, now therefore the Secretary of War, Navy, and Treasury, with respect to the Coast Guard, are hereby directed to continue to enforce and maintain the higher standards of loyalty. Within the armed services, unquote. Now, years later, this same caution shown by Truman was taken up by Congress, Congress in the United States, and communism was routed out of not only government, which was Truman's intention, but attempts were made to route it out of Hollywood, and if such attempts were made today, Hollywood would become a ghost town. Uh, such attempts were justifiable in my mind and are so today. Unfortunately, these attempts were smeared with the name, what? McCarthyism. But ask yourself, who were the ones crying McCarthyism? It was the bloody communists, the socialists, the ones he was after. That's who were the ones who were smearing his attempts with. It's McCarthyism. Those who were the targets of Congress as advocates of a violent, destructive political ideology. They're the ones opposed to McCarthyism, and quite rightly so, because they're the targets. They're the criminals. Ayn Rand had this to say. McCarthyism, again, it was a derogatory term, suggesting some insidious evil and without any clear definition. Its alleged meaning was unjust accusations, persecutions, and character assassinations of innocent victims. Its real meaning was anti-communism. And that's all it meant, Bob. McCarthyism simply means anti-communism. That's it. Forget the smear, forget the pejorative. That's all it meant. And it's my contention that freedom-loving governments once again excise anyone among their ranks who do not share the values of freedom, those who violate their oaths, those who would advocate for the destruction of the nation, and those who would attempt an ideological coup d'etat advocates of systems of government which violate a person's life freedom and property should never be allowed to work for a free government they should never be allowed a soapbox on the airwaves to spew their hate they should not be permitted to run for office on a ticket which would violate a person's individual rights those in parliament or congress who've taken an oath to be loyal to their country and the respective constitutions but then turn around and advocate for those ideas, anathema to freedom, should be forced to resign from their positions. They violated their oath. There's your there's reason right there. Honest intellectual discussion of those hateful ideologies which have caused the deaths of over a hundred million people in the last hundred years is how it should be. But if a professor or a teacher openly advocate for and actively promote such evil collectivist ideologies, they should be fired. No ifs, ands, or buts. In no way is this any different than teaching that the Aztecs made ritualistic sacrifices to their gods and advocating that practice. And that's what we have today. People basically advocating for ritualistic sacrifice. If a news outlet reports lies and innuendo as facts, spins false narratives to negatively affect the outcome of an election in favor of people or organizations advocating ideologies which are opposed to individual rights and freedoms, then they should have their licenses revoked. If social media companies do not come clean on their discriminatory practices against conservatives and individualists and restrict their terms of service to actual criminal acts, then they should be treated as the purveyors of sedition that they are and prohibited from doing business. I don't care how many people get laid off because Twitter goes or the 60,000 because Facebook is out of business. Our freedoms are worth a lot more than that. Socialists, communists, fascists, collectivists in private life should be shunned, ridiculed, and cast out of the common intercourse. And I know these are tough measures to be sure, but then again, this is war.
2: Coming up next is a very significant clip from the March 1st Stephen Crowder, Louder with Crowder show, number 439, which I suggest everyone listen to it in its entirety. Louder with Crowder and the Stephen Crowder gang, they are in the process right now of suing, counter-suing Facebook for some of the egregious things that they've been doing. And they've been doing it to us too, Robert. It's not, these guys are not alone, and that's why I think they need our support. I watched so that
4: entire show, and it was uh, uh, an eye-opener and riveting. Watched it from beginning to end, and I, add, uh, I wish everybody else would watch it too. So let's explain for people who don't know, we have a few things to get to. Uh, what happened on
3: YouTube, explain to people what happened uh, there. Well, I mean, it's a multiple
5: battle war that we fought over the last kind of 72 hours. This week has been pretty nuts. But just on the stream itself and then the archive, there was an initial takedown. I think a lot of folks, a lot of the followers and audience and and fans saw that it got cut down right by an ABC Disney strike, copyright strike. We're saying, hey, you're violating this and that. Four strikes effectively
3: on the same piece of content. Correct. Four strikes on the same piece of content within 24 hours. Three of them have been retracted or struck down whatever term you want to use. Three of them, this is important to note, and there was a hard strike. You get three of those, I think, in three months. We're no longer able to broadcast. To. Period. So all yeah. of the strikes, we should mention this, that are hard legal strikes, where when you file a counter notice, that's, hey, see you in court, and they're legally liable if it's a false strike. The, they're all got gone, we've never yeah. lost. But uh, the hard strikes. That's, what's, that's different from a copyright claim that demonetizes you. Right. Almost all of our stuff is demonetized. We do a parody video, they demonetize us and say, you used yeah, the Rocky done. track. It's like, well, we did a direct parody of Rocky. We know it's fair use. Right. On that point, by the way, transformative, do you have the numbers from the Oscars? The numbers, what it was, the, the actual numbers? It was, it was a three-something-hour stream. Yes, less it than was, two minutes, I believe. It was two hours and 34 minutes
2: of our content. Meaning, sketches, meaning yeah. sketches, sketches, totally original, non-Oscars at all. 31 minutes of commentary just us talking about it
5: so right. visual, and, what I would yeah, say, visual. visual and audio overlays that transform the original work yes. into something that is a new work and is critical of the original yes. work. And that's what you're doing is you're coming in, you're commenting, you're adding visuals, yes. you're adding, you're actually specifically critiquing the
3: work. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They know all of the claims are bogus. But tomorrow, it could be you. Once you get popular enough, they will come for you. And they're coming for all of us. That's what's important. That's why we yeah. have we have this at uh, the Ladder with Crider Shop, the deep platform this year. Yeah. Mug Club and our sponsors like Walther keep us in the game. Yeah. We've been demonetized yep. uh, on a lot of content. A ton of content. And that's not small money, by the no, way. No, and it's not yeah. small money. increasingly That being lately. said, that's, yeah, and that's really easy to do because they can say, oh, we're going to claim this, we're going to claim this. There really are there's no recourse. Now, when they try to hard strike your channel, that's where they affect, someone has manually submitted a legal notice and we manually submit, is it a counter notice? What is it?
5: Counter notification. Okay, yeah. counter
3: notification. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it goes to the courts. In other right. words, at that point, it's like, OK, listen, if you are lying here, now we're getting into legal hot water. They said, OK, we don't want any part of this. We've never lost. They've always retracted those. And this is pretty consistent across the board, by the way, disproportionately with conservative channels. Think about it this way. Think about if we're talking about a presidential election or a Senate election or some bill that's trying yeah. to be passed in Congress, and they're like, we're, we're commenting on what they're doing talking about it. Or if Congress is putting something out for us, we're commenting on that. They can shut us down so that we can't they influence have. people. They tried to shut us right? down once with and the a presiden- with the presidential debate. Yeah, exactly. And, and so by the way, here's that's one thing: to- horrible. This is some a tool that's disproportionately used by the left. This is what people need to understand because conservatives don't go out and try and abuse the system. You can find more content than you could watch in a lifetime. Uh, everything uh, from calling me gay to a secret transvestite to a part of the Illuminati to a Nazi. But we don't try and shut those down. As a matter of fact, one time someone ripped an entire show, oh, yeah. and we just reached out to them yeah. and said, "Hey, listen, man, I, I appreciate the the zeal." But could you take it down because it's, it's our whole show yeah. and we'd rather you just maybe take a clip and direct them to our show this person put up a clip instead and directed them to our whole show perfect we go out of our way to make sure that we are following the kind of fair use rules that we preach Okay, so we had YouTube, and then we have Facebook. I guess, Bill, why don't you jump in kind of on the general sure. history with Facebook,
5: and what the big part here is that, that we've always said this, right? You know, we've people use the term censorship, which we I, you know, we understand is a governmental thing versus a private company thing. Right. And hey, this is their sandbox. They can create certain rules within the under the Constitution, federal law, state law. They can set the rules for their their sandbox and say, "I'll I'll, you, I'll invite you in. You can spend some money here. It'll all be good." But the problem is when they say the rules are a. But they're actually enforcing a set of rules called B. And right. that's what happened here. They're telling you, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money to build your business on this platform because here are the rules. But in reality, the rules were different for you. Right, right. And Breitbart and Chris And
3: by the way, and a lot of conservatives out there, this, we've seen this disproportionately target conservatives. This isn't just about us. It's about anyone out there. If, if you've had suspicions, unfortunately, uh, we have the resources to have confirmed quite a few of these suspicions. It's happening, I don't want to say across the board, but it's certainly happening a lot to conservatives. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people out there, they say, well, I don't know, I, And there's no way to prove it. Well, you do have to take legal action, and we've done that in the past, but I think it has to get a lot more severe going forward. And this can happen to any of you. You know this. We've tried to focus on kind of, we've built up mug club to hedge our bets. Um, and we always suspected one thing, too. We had this, we called it here the YouTube algorithm, the YouTube yeah. Facebook sort of Mysterious. equation, yeah. where if we would have twenty or 30,000 viewers on YouTube, we'd have 1,000 on Facebook, despite at the time we would have more fans on Facebook. We'd have, I think we have about two and a half million fans, something like that, two and two and a half million fans. It would be a 10th to a 20th to a 40th the number. You can compare all of the YouTube views to Facebook. We always suspect, we're going, hold on a second, our video, that's our bread and butter, but no one sees them on Facebook. And we have screenshot after screenshot after screenshot of people sending us saying, we're not seeing your stuff in our feed.
2: You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Well, some really useful information in that little audio bite we had there. Stephen Crowder says, once you get popular enough they'll be coming for you. Well, I got news for him. Popularity has nothing to do with it since we've been de-boosted for a long time now and we too have been very suspicious about our declining Facebook numbers against our rising unique visitors numbers, that kind of thing. It just These things do not match but we never had the proof
4: yeah it's the same thing that crowder was noting and also you know bob i used to handle the uh, boosting of our facebook page and when they would they would ask me to boost the page and they would say you could reach up to two thousand people with twenty dollars so i say okay here's 20 bucks and you get 500 people and going okay so what do you know that i don't know are you are you de-boosting me are, are you suggesting that I could have gotten 2,000 visitors? If so, tell me the demographics that I should have put in to get those 2,000, because you're basically lying to me.
2: Interestingly, last week's show, ironically, the show that we called The War of Words, what happens? We get a copyright notice. This was, a this was of the kind that Crowder was talking about, which they have tons of, and they've yes. been demonetized right across the board. Well, that's what apparently they're doing to our show last week. We played, of all things, a Get Smart clip. It was 49 seconds long. Okay, so it's one sixtieth of the show. And the claimant is somebody called UMG on behalf of Caroline Records. Policy monetized by copyright owner. Now, after hearing what Crowder just said, I don't even know if I believe this, because apparently a lot of these claimants are bogus. Copyright content was found in your video. This is ironic, too, because it's not a video. We just put up a still picture and our audio portion of our show. Yeah, their algorithms are pretty stupid. But you know I've had an epiphany about all of this. I suppose it boils down to something you just said in the last quarter. You talked about how we've had such a short history of freedom that we're really not totally accustomed to it. What did you say? Three three generations?
4: Uh, Three lifetimes,
2: 245 odd years. I mean, considering a person might live to be 80, well, you know. Sure. Okay, well, a short time. But you know, it occurred to me that what we are truly witnessing on a macro scale with regards to this war of words and freedom of speech is that these kind of wars have been going on since time immemorial throughout history. Only they were expressed in the cultures of their times. I think the Christ story on the cross is one of those stories. So in many ways, what we call fake news today has always been part of mankind's information and gossip networks. I don't think that's anything new. But here's what's new, and it's every bit as new as what you just said about America being formed. And that's the existence of the Internet. This is a phenomenon never before experienced in humanity's history. Think about it. It's a phenomenon that allows a single individual like you and me from the privacy of our homes from our offices, even our vehicle, or standing in the street, for heaven's sakes, with your cell phone to share a message in every way possible, audio, visual, text, and potentially reach millions to billions of people at the push of a button. Think about that power.
4: Well, when you put it like that, Bob, I'm
2: sort of my head is swir- swirling. <laughs> it, 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 it's a first, but now let's take it to the next step. Now now you've got this new reality. It has naturally encouraged many serious-minded and committed people to turn this incredible power into something more, providing online content, serving every kind of interest imaginable. And, of course, one of those key interests is politics. And as we've said many times before, you might not be interested in politics but politics is always interested in you. So here's my theory. I think that perhaps for the first time in human history, and I do emphasize for the first time, the public at large actually has a direct opportunity to hear and determine the truth of any given narrative or event, despite all of the false narratives that continue unabated. This is a first. In the past, voices like Crowder or us or any of those other people I mentioned would simply never have been heard. They wouldn't exist, except in the local neighborhood and pub. They wouldn't get any further. So there's the problem for the left and the fake news narrators. And to get to the point of this whole compromise and war, Ayn Rand had a great set of rules. In any conflict between two men or groups who hold the same basic principles, the more consistent one wins. In any collaboration between two men or groups who hold different basic principles, it is the evil or irrational one who wins. And when opposite basic principles are clearly and openly defined, it works to the advantage of the rational side. When they're not clearly defined or hidden or evaded, it works to the advantage of the irrational side. Now, of course, politics is all about compromise, conflict, and collaboration, isn't it? Those very three words that she talked about. And what has been happening in social media, and with many of the podcasters and, and those considered on the right, more and more, opposite basic principles are being clearly and openly defined. Hello, we're back to epistemology, definitions, and this works to the advantage of the rational side for a change. That's a first, Robert, don't you think? You're right. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. Here we are talking
4: about history. And, you know, we're living a, at a moment in history that 100 years from now will be talked about forever. It's, it's a pivotal moment. And as you're saying that people are taking over the Internet to create content, there's right. just as many people over there taking the Internet and turning it into a vessel to promulgate evil promote their
2: communism. So no wonder that anyone who's been controlling the public narrative for dubious political objectives is so terrified and hostile towards this fountain of competing ideas and open discussions that eventually create a path to truth. It doesn't mean that everything being said is true, but as you know, it's freedom of speech that ends hatred. It's freedom of speech that leads to the truth when the basic principles are open and defined but to speak to my own insistence that we remain consciously aware of the opposing principles by left and right and that there's no possible compromise between them, I found an interesting quote again by Ayn Rand that hadn't impressed upon me before. got this out of the lexicon, quote, There are two sides to every issue. One side is right and the other side is wrong. But the middle is always evil. The man who is wrong still retains some respect for truth if only by accepting the responsibility of choice. But the man in the middle is the knave who blanks out the truth in order to pretend that no choice or values exist, who's willing to sit out the course of any battle, willing to cash in on the blood of the innocent or crawl on his belly to the guilty, who dispenses justice by condemning both the robber and the robbed to jail, who solves conflicts by ordering the thinker and the fool to meet each other halfway. In any compromise between food and poison, it is only death that can win. In any compromise between good and evil, it is only evil that can profit. In that transfusion of blood which drains the good to feed the evil, the compromiser is the transmitting rubber tube. When men reduce their virtues to the approximate, then evil acquires the force of an absolute. When loyalty to an unyielding purpose is dropped by the virtuous, it's picked up by the scoundrels and you get the indecent spectacle of a cringing, bargaining, traitorous good and a self-righteously uncompromising evil, end quote. Does that or does that not describe both the nature and the actions of the left today and everything that we're seeing in this whole issue But you know, in the virtue signaling department, I think the time has arrived to point out that all of this so called sensitivity of others that we're supposed to be on the lookout for has nothing to do with being sensitive. You know what I think it is? I think it's an outright act of aggression. And it is an act, by the way, even if those claiming to have real feelings of sensitivity actually, quote unquote, feel them. Because their feelings, whether felt or fake, are unreal. Because they're all based on unrealities, on BS. Reactions to things that never happened and never were so and ain't so today. That's their axiom of hate. It's all about feeling and feeling unreal. And they have no other choice. That's why we heard those screaming women on our show last week. What, what else can you do when you've given up your mind? When you've made the primacy of consciousness the way your mind works? Reality is going to punch you in the face over and over and over and over and over again to the point where you're going to have to scream. That's all, you know, that that you can do. Here again is Stephen Crowder and possibly one of the most compelling and heartfelt statements I've ever heard posted anywhere, and this has to do with the lawsuit they're going into against Facebook.
3: So something I do want to talk, and I've talked about this before, but I think it's more relevant than ever, is... This mantra that I hear a lot, and I think it's incredible. I hate to use the word toxic now. These terms have been co-opted, but it really is toxic. The idea that failure is not an option. You hear that a lot. Failure is not an option. Um, Well, right now, this is an example. We're talking about this. We're fighting Facebook, Disney, ABC, the Academy. I don't even know if they are Disney, ABC. Uh, Internal battles, of course, we have battles with well-known battles with YouTube. This has been going on for a long time, and it is... I want to say sometimes it feels insurmountable uh, and I'll come back to this sometimes of course I want to pack up and go home but let me just tell you something Um, failure is absolutely an option I know that I see so many people use it as a personal mantra failure is not an option failure is not an option failure is not an option kind of like an I think I can I think I can I think I can but failure is always an option in fact it's often the easiest and most readily available option That doesn't mean that the consequences are easy or desirable, but the action of failing is always there, every step of the way. It's more apparent to me now than ever. As we talk about on this show, your guiding light above all else. I hate this sounds cheesy, but it needs to be truth. And so I don't think that ever denying reality is the most productive route. I just don't believe it. Failure is always an option. Don't tell yourself it's not. If you tell yourself it's not, you're effectively denying this huge, this ribbon, this milky way, this, this cosmic belt of reality. Sometimes it's the biggest cosmic belt of reality in your path. Certainly the most looming. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're driving down a freeway. There's a major roadblock. Let's say a five-car pileup. Does it help you to say there's no pileup? It's not even on the table or is it more productive to see the pileup, to acknowledge it, and to refuse to allow it to impede your progress? See, the former mindset, that of telling yourself that there is no roadblock, failure's not an option it leads to what? What does it lead to? Riding straight into that roadblock. The latter, acknowledging it, seeing the roadblock, including this data, incorporating the information into your reality, largely because it is reality, I'll come back to that in a second, living your truth, uh, would be more productive, it would lead to a solution. You know it's there, but you don't want to end up in that roadblock, so you're more likely to take a different route. I like to see more people saying failure is disallowable as opposed to lying to themselves saying that failure is not an option. It may sound trivial, but one is a soundbite and one is a way of life. One is a mantra, okay, that sounds good on daytime talk shows, it sells self-help books. The other is a very non-sexy but necessary mindset to deal with your own shortcomings. Most importantly, one is dishonest and one is truthful. It's a great irony in life that these triumphant, these grandiose ways that we try to achieve our breakthroughs, they're usually the ones that keep us from achieving them, because it's the preparation that matters. It's the in-betweens, like I've talked about. It's the unsexy measures we take when no one is watching, when the excitement's worn off and failure is always an option in the back of our mind. See, one, the failure is not an option is effectively uh, the false mantra of living your truth. That's why I think I hate it so much. Whereas the decision to acknowledge failure as an option, but disallowing it to determine your long-term circumstances is the equivalent to living in the truth. I don't think there's anything sillier than saying this. I'm speaking my truth. That's a hedge to say you could be a f- liar. But what does living your truth mean if you're not living in the truth? There is absolute truth. And sometimes your truth and the truth are incongruent. As a matter of fact, I'd wager more often than not because often the truth is really uncomfortable. But guess what? The truth is always there. It's always there. And if your truth isn't the truth, it's gonna hit you like a brick in the face. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. Sooner or later, the truth is coming from you. I say from you or for you, I don't care. At some point in your life, you're going to die. You are sick. Your marriage has problems. You're dropping the ball at certain aspects of your job, or as a father, or as a husband. You've made promises to yourself that you haven't kept. That's reality. And to tell yourself that failure is not an option is to consistently live in a state of denying reality. It's delusional by definition. We're currently preparing for an epic legal war with Facebook. One that will test the integrity and fortitude, not only of myself, but everyone on this team. Also you. How long will you stick it out? How long will you support us? This week we had to miss three shows to fight these battles. Believe me, that wasn't fun for us. There are going to be a few more weeks like that if this goes to court. How long are you in? When the dust has settled, the excitement of the initial war, the battle cry has died out, when we're in the trenches, rained on, covered in dirt, waiting. Are you still there? Because failure is always an option. I have to be honest with myself, right now, failure is the most easy, readily available option. I'm not a rock, I'm not a man without limits, I'm a very limited man who is fallible and breakable. It'd be a lot easier to fail right now, because rather than continuing, rather than reinvesting and creating for the unheard majority of Americans, you, the international fans out there, I know I have a lot of Canadian Greek Orthodox, Pentelis just told me this, uh, I could collect my marbles that I've gained thus far right now and go home. Even more, I'm at a point right now where I know that, the, that failure of this program, of this movement, of your movement right now, is a, a much more easy option today than it will be once we're in this fight. Because once we're in this fight, we can't unring that bell. Unless we win, I can't recoup all of the resources, finances, creative energy, and just life energy that's been invested into it. Failure is a much more easy option for me to choose today than it would be tomorrow or the next day or the next, and I know that, and I struggle with it. I'm not gonna lie to you, I struggle with it all the time. There are times where I come really close to calling it and packing it in. To deny that, to lie to myself and, and to lie to you about it for the sake of an inner, some kind of inspirational soundbite would not only be dishonest, it would cloud my judgment to the decisions that I have to make for all of us moving forward. It would also belittle, by the way, the magnitude of what you've done for me. You, the listener, you're for us. The truth is that you've helped us build something so impactful, so important to such a multitude of people that the walls are closing in, tempting us by providing the option of failure. That's where we are right now. Failure is a, would be a relief. I go a step further and say, not only an option, it's a very possible outcome. That's why it's at the front of my mind. I want it to be at the front of yours. Because then we're all on the same page knowing that right now, At this moment in history, we all have a decision to make. We can choose failure right now. We can choose easy right now. And it's available, it's right there. We can choose relief, we can choose peace through failure right now, or we can choose to go through the hard door. And this may not be as inspirational. It may not sell as many books, but I can promise you this. So long as you, all of you watching, listening, streaming, choose to go through those hard doorways, those thresholds, meaning many. Doorway after doorway after doorway. So long as you keep choosing to do that with us, I promise you so will I.
2: Well, Robert, that was one powerful statement. And, you know, that's a consistency I hear from all the voices on the right. That the guiding light must be truth. They all talk about truth. You know what the left talks about? Facts. (laughs) The left is always about facts. And they use facts to sell lies, and to create narratives that do not match the truth of a given story. We've been talking about that for ages, and that's why this is a war of words. And it's it's a war of words that's totally different between the left and the right. And of course, among the most important words in the political lexicon are the words left and right. And these have come to represent political ideologies diametrically opposed and so on the left, we keep forgetting, you know, that represents the condition of tyranny while the right represents the condition of freedom. And few understand this because the vast majority has been influenced by decades of propaganda creating a false conception of left and right. And I still say that is a powerful disincentive to be able to win this war. And This is what, this is what concerns me. Yeah, losing is an option because as long as we keep thinking wrong, we will lose. And you know, most people tragically believe that there's this middle of the road or center's position or an imaginary spectrum to where they can mix tyranny with freedom. How does that work? Or worse, they, they, they don't want to use the, the word extreme left or extreme right, when extreme right just means freedom. So, you know, as Nick Paolo mentioned during the first half of the show, what what can one side do when the other side refuses to play? Right? The left has not been playing. And so that's when the only arbiter in any dispute is a resort to force. As you say, Robert, as history has proven time and time and time again. And just because you may be on the side of the right for freedom, for capitalism, individualism, and personal responsibility, we can never assume that failure is not an option. Because when it comes to freedom, Robert, sad to say, failure has not only been an option, but the rule. So don't forget to support the voices of freedom who are still attempting to offer us an option. Given the increasingly hostile actions taken by the left, consider making your own donation to a singular voice that among all the rest is not just right-wing, but just right. Join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. To color color to black and white under the bedclothes everything will be all right
1: ah. <laughs> what's
2: going on here
5: <laughs> barely acting on your suggestion sir what suggestion you said to get the fellows engaged in some voluntary activity and i've got them working on sort of a jigsaw puzzle here i tore up some old maps <laughs> you call that an activity would you rather see them digging tunnels, sir? Don't even say that. No. That belongs
1: here. This one
5: belongs here. <laughs> you guys are very good. You want me to tear up more paper, sir? Don't bother. Learn and try. This is for the prisoners. Find some other way to
4: amuse yourself. No. <laughs> All right, let's get out with it.
1: And hey, what was the hold
5: up? We had to eat the chicken, didn't we? Thank you. contact the underground tell them we'll deliver the convoy routes to the art gallery in town tonight.
4: Right
1: Colonel. This seems to be coming along pretty nicely. Yep, we might make it.
5: Forget about might we will.
1: Try some chicken. <laughs>